Good afternoon, everyone. BC here once again for another exciting episode of the Tech Tuesday. Forgive me the noise in this background there. Someone's using the loo, I believe. <laughs> anyway, so thanks for joining us, everyone. And for those of you who are on Facebook, YouTube, or even on the podcast, you'll notice that I'll mention quite a few names that are people that are interacting with me via Instagram Live, so please hang tight. And this is something we do every Tuesday to talk about great opportunities in technology. Many of you submit questions, we answer them, and answer quite a few live. Hello, Superdart. Hello, Kevin. JV Tech, thank you so much for joining. Really appreciate that. And as I mentioned earlier on today, we are at a wonderful facility here in beautiful Riverside, California. We are at the KNN AM Federation. That's Chris, we just walked by there. Beautiful you know, facility here. They have quite a few items here. Everything from filtration systems that allow you to protect your engines very well. And the partnership really exists with AM Filtration as well, which, by the way, started in 1987. So we'll talk quite a bit about that today and quite a few things. And as always, I will have some great prizes for you, some really nice prizes that allow you to take full advantage and enjoy. But you have to pay attention and listen to what I have in store and answer the question as always. And whoever gets it right the first time wins. I should have maybe two, three, maybe two, two gifts courtesy of AM Filtration, which is really exciting. Hello. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Hello, Alfie. Hello, Shell. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Appreciate that. You are too kind, MDNA. I appreciate that. I had a great time filming that. And speaking of, speaking of the van that we filmed with, Hot Wheels has a very exciting event coming up this Saturday. It's the Hot Wheels Legends Tour. And it will be held at their facility in El Segundo, California. Please feel free to come on by. And you know what's even more exciting? You have an opportunity. Yes, you have an opportunity to have your vehicle features as a Hot Wheels car, just like my van and the Civic Type R. So to be able to do that, you have to register today. It's the last day to do that. It's at hotwheels.com slash legends. Register your car. Bring it out, let the judges judge, and if you get chosen, your vehicle can be a Hot Wheels as well. Hello, Gorilla. Good seeing you. Thank you so much. Yes, very busy. Hello, Sam. Hopefully you can register as well and bring your car, car out, Sam. It's pretty exciting. So today, Ariana is at the office. She's holding the fort down. We have film crews setting up for a lot of filming for an exciting show coming up very soon. So she's making everything happen there today. I have Hedy with me. Say hi, Hedy. There she is. Okay, so Henny's going to ask all the questions that many of you submitted, and we'll have an opportunity to answer them. And by all means, I'll also answer all the questions you have live. Hello, Dennis. Thanks for joining us. Andy, Low Life, Insta. I appreciate all of you joining me this afternoon. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, guys. And thanks as well to AF Filtration, Engineer to Perform, for giving us this great venue to have this great Tech Tuesday. Sam says hi, Hedy. Hi, Sam. Hello, AJ, all the way from the UK. Appreciate all the questions you submitted. Hello, Hot Wheels. Thank you so much. I just talked about your Legends Tour coming up very soon. Hello, my low life NYC. Things are great. Hello, GBN. Oh, I'll be more than happy to explore that with you, Productions. Just send me an email at lab at bcmo.com and we will make it happen. Oh, you like that suit? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I should put it on maybe later on. <laughs> 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 so it's good. Thank you so much. Thank you. I look like a, a superhero. Oh, and speaking of this, guys, let me know what you think of this shirt. This is another design that we have as well that I'd love to launch, but only if you want it. Hello, Angie. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Hello, EK4. Okay, so without much ado, let's get to the questions and make this happen. So, Hedy, what question do we have first that we can talk about? Sure. So we have a question from Papa Huang. Papa Huang, good. He wanted to know, how do you determine... Spark plug gap on boosted motors. Okay. Also, what is your opinion on copper versus iridium? Okay, so Simon, I believe that's your name. Those are two great questions. You know, the one thing about a spark plug, it has a daunting task of having to ignite a mixture in a very adverse environment. High pressure, an environment that is not very conducive to ignition. So the ignition coil, many, many times with modern engines, they're individual coils per cylinder. Or if you have a distributed system, you have one large coil that does that and has to recharge in between each firing, which is very challenging. So many a time, 
you have this environment that's hard to ignite and you need to be able to ignite it so you don't have misfires, so you can create power. When you ignite the mixture, you create heat. Heat does work on the piston. It is fantastic. So, how I determine the spark plug gap is I typically default to the factory or OEM setting. But in high pressure, high boost environments, you tend to experience misfire and I close the gap accordingly until that misfire goes away. If you close the gap too tight, you can find a mixture that doesn't burn very nicely, especially in low RPM settings. If it's too wide, you can experience misfire in high RPM and high boost applications as well. I have done everything from a 0.035 inch to as small as a 0.016 inch, especially with the higher boost, higher horsepower applications. I start off in 0 0.38, 0 0.35, and I close the gap little by little using 0.002 decrements until I get that misfire to go away at the boost setting that I experience. Another great way of doing that is to be able to use a coil with a higher output or more spark energy. You have companies like Denso and even AEM that has really high output up to even and greater than 132 millijoules of energy. So that being said, you can have great combustion and great efficiency as well. Now. The type of spark plug also plays a role. So Simon, you asked on your second question about iridium versus copper. Now, if you think about how a spark plug ignites and the kernel that forms at the electrode, if you have a large electrode, and most coppers are pretty large, that large size of electrode can impede the spark propagation. So that being said, I'm a huge advocate of very fine wire, ideally iridium electrodes, because it doesn't impede that formation of the kernel and allows you to ignite very nicely and creates more power and a more complete burn. Now, something else that I find very appealing for iridiums, even though they're slightly more expensive than copper, is life. The copper ones tend to erode very easily, so you'll notice after some time you'll see some erosion of that electrode. It's no longer rectangular in shape or cylindrical. It has more rounded edges, and that's not very good for performance because now your gap is increased and you introduce misfire. So what I have seen is, based upon my experience drag racing, you have opportunities where you can barely get one pass, one quarter mile pass on a set of copper plugs, especially in high horsepower applications. But with iridiums, you have the opportunity to go a full season because iridium is a much harder substance, and because of the nature of the iridium, you can have a finer wire which helps with spark propagation. So net-net, what do I tend to experience? Smaller gaps in boost applications and much more longevity and efficiency with iridium wire plugs. So hope that answers your question properly, Simon, and hope that points you in the right direction. Adam Good 91, I see you're asking the best four-cylinder Honda engine for reliable tuning and why. Most Honda engines are extremely reliable, but I've seen excellent efficiency with the F20C and F22C engines out of the S2000. The heads flow extremely well, the camshafts from the factory are very efficient, and in natural aspirated applications, I have not seen a factory exhaust manifold that is as superior than that one from factory. So it's something that's very, very good. And for many years with the F20C, Honda had the record for the highest horsepower for the displacement before Ferrari, with all the technology and resources, pushed them to the side. But nonetheless, it's a very efficient engine and one that continues to be extremely efficient even compared to what Honda produces today. Very excited about those engines. Okay, what other questions do we have, Eddie? Perfect. So Gary Hearn, yes. he has a few questions. I'm going to start off with one. He asked, what angles are typically used when cutting two angle valve seats? Two? Yes. Oh. Is this a method you utilize to help flow and efficiency when building your engine? Well, yes. To ask your last question first, there's a lot of power in valve jobs. So what you typically see is, well, for our applications, it's proprietary, and I'll give you this kind of hint. We have more than three angles, more of a five angle valve job with our high performance engines with more of a radius that exists towards the angles that exist away from the seat to help with low lift flow, which helps with power all across the board. So there's power in valve jobs, but what's very typical, I've seen everything from a standard 45 for the seat to a 60 and a little bit of a 70 or so in the deeper pockets of the valve seat. So it depends, but 45 and 60 are very popular ones. But for high performance, radiuses exist and make a lot of power. Perfect. So he also asked, what's the chemical differences between pump gas, E85, and Q16 race fuel? Is it just the amount of ethanol contained in each, or is there more to it? 
Well, that's a great question. And to really get into the deep scope of the chemical compositions of these fuels, it could take an entire session. So I'll give you a bit of a condensed version. What you typically see, especially here in California with 91 pump fuel, is what is commonly known as E10, which means it's a hydrocarbon-based fuel primarily from crude, um, some of the lighter elements that exist in distillation of crude oil. We get the gasoline, but to help with efficiency and octane, 10% of ethanol is added. And most vehicles, I think all current vehicles can tolerate that without challenge, so we have that. And that ethanol component has an OH radical attached to it, which allows for very, very, very nice clean burning, which you know, allows me to segue into E85. Now, E85 is 85% ethanol, 15% of regular gasoline. Ethanol is extremely nice to burn, but in its pure form, you can actually consume it. So to deter you from drinking your fuel, 15% of a decantant or denaturant is added, which is, uh, in this case, gasoline. And what we see with that is cooler burn, a wider tuning window, and here's what I've talked about before. The caloric content of the fuel is much higher. So the key to making horsepower is to get as much air as possible into the engine with the appropriate amount of fuel. But above and beyond that, there's some other factors that allow you to make more power. RPM capability gives you that. I think, AJ, you have a question coming up about that. The caloric content of a fuel, which means that if you have a fuel that reduces more energy, you'll create more power. And also how efficiently you can ingest that with volumetric efficiency being extremely key. So that being said, thinking about E10, which is regular petrol, or 91 octane you may see here in, in California, versus E85, you now have more ethanol, which if you burn the same amount of air with E85 versus 91 gasoline, you see a lot more heat. So the caloric content of the ethanol is much higher and you make more power. Now, we go to something like Q16. Q16 has an oxygen component added to it. Uh, many times you had everything from esters to, I'm trying to think of the one chemical comp, olefins, there you go. An olefin is added to that as well to help with that. And what you end up finding out is that you can get very nice caloric content because the oxygen is added to it. One thing about some of those fuels with olefins is that olefins are known as carcinogens. So it's not something you want to breathe very often or have contained. And also it could devulcanize rubber if you keep it in your system for extended periods of time. So it's wise to be able to flush those kind of fuels out your system if you're going to have your car sit for any period of time. So when it comes to the composition of those three, you have one that's really olefin-based, you have one which has a small amount of ethanol content, and the one with a large ethanol content, and they all have different caloric values. My fuel of choice, I love ethanol-based fuels. They burn much cleaner, and they you know, smell really great, and above and beyond that, wider tuning windows. So I hope that gives you a big, a nice synopsis of the different types of fuel, their compositions, and without going to much detail that can take up an entire hour, gives you a 30,000 foot view and helps you understand that a little bit better. I'm adding good. Could an S2000 be mounted sideways? Yes, it could. You could use something like a K-Series gearbox. And one of the reasons why I feel that's a good application to use is because both the K-Series and S2000 both turn clockwise. So that being said, if you're trying to use a B-Series or a D-Series gearbox, which is designed to turn counterclockwise, it would be a challenge. You just wouldn't, it wouldn't work properly, not without significant modification. So that's what I've used. I've used a K-Series gearbox, and that way you can have a very simple, straightforward setup with the right direction of travel. Auto Collective, you could, but it may take you a few months. We have a pretty large project now that we have in-house that is not available to the public, so it's very difficult for me to get you a tour of our facility until the latter part of the year. So please forgive me. We do allow people to come by and have tours, but right now we have a project that's very hush-hush, and we cannot expose it to the public. So please forgive me. But touch base with me, and after the project is done, we'll be more than happy to show you around. No problem whatsoever. Thank you, Dion. I appreciate the kind words. It's great seeing you as well in Long Beach. I had a good time out there. Okay, what other questions do we have? Sure. Any? Gary also asked. Yes. This may be a tricky question okay. because he said, when using nitrous systems back in your Honda days, yes. did you prefer to use wet or dry systems? And what were your reasons for choosing either system? Okay, so I have not used nitrous in any of my projects. It's just not what I use. I ran... Years ago, when I drag race, I had to draw the NA class. But since I do a lot of tuning for a lot of consumers, especially race cars, we've done quite a bit of tuning with nitro systems. I also did a vehicle for American Honda in 2012, which is a 2013 Accord. And we had a very short period of time to make power, so we went with a wet system. So I have had the opportunity to do both. 
whenever, and it's so weird he asked this question because we had a client who called in yesterday for something very similar. Based on my experience, whenever I have the opportunity not to worry about distribution in the intake manifold, which typically happens with low horsepower outputs, uh, for nitrous that is, not for the engine, but for nitrous, let's say anywhere from a 50 shot to let's say 75, I have no problem with a single fogger and using it in a wet system to help with distribution. And why do I have to use something wet? If you have distribution problems in, in an intake manifold, which is very typical with inline fours, you know, you think about an intake manifold or inline four, the throttle body is typically on one side, and if you do a flow analysis on that, the cylinders that are farther away from the throttle body seem to get more air than the ones closer to the throttle body, just because air has mass and air tends to ram itself towards the back of that intake manifold. So that being said, if you have a setup that has distribution issues, Short of you doing individual cylinder tuning, it's wise to also introduce fuel with the nitrous. And what that does is allow the travel to be ideal. Now, if you start going to high horsepower applications, it's very difficult, especially with a lot of nitrous, to be able to get great distribution. So that's where I would explore direct port. And in that case, if your injector and fuel pump can handle it, you can do it dry and use your initial fuel systems to be able to fuel. The nitrous. So you can run a larger injector CC per cylinder and use an engine management solution to add additional fuel appropriately with the nitrous setup. And I said you I see you said, AJ, that people thought I run nitrous. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. Whenever you do something very exciting on your application, especially as a scientist, when I create a project that makes a lot of power and goes really fast, um, like years ago when we did 150 miles an hour and you know quarter mile or we were running low nines with a unibody single cam, how people thought I had nitrous. Well, many times People protested, and our engines had to be teared down. And where it was Palmdale or Fontana, we teared down, people found out there was nothing in my engine at all. So I'm not an advocate of cheating. As you can see, the most recent show that we do, Netflix, I didn't fare well because I paid attention to rules. And other people don't have that same mindset, which is quite sad. But nonetheless, um, it's not my way. I will never jeopardize my future or all the accomplishments I did by doing something of that nature. So, But for our clients, we've done quite a few nitrous systems, and I do prefer Nitrous Express, I'm partial to them, and they stay on top of technology, which is great. Alex, the show is the fastest car on Netflix. So if you go on there right now, it's airing, it's very nice, had a great time filming, talks about our background and our family. And above and beyond that, we had a very nice opportunity to race our Odyssey versus other street cars and exotics, which is pretty exciting indeed. Um, I've tuned quite a few VWs, but I haven't built one in-house. Uh, for me to build a VW, I'd rather work with a manufacturer themselves, with VAG. Thank you, Giant. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, Andre, I've got cake one download. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Okay. What else do we have? Last question from Gary. He said, Gary? When will your Honda Insight be out again? Ah. And what size <laughs> throttle bodies are used on the F22? Ah, should I tell do him? you use stage injection on this engine? Should I tell him that? I don't know. It just depends on. Uh, okay, I'll be nice. I have I'll tell them. I'll tell them what I have. Okay, so AJ, I am working right now on the Insight. So Gary, expect, actually. Oh. Gary? Oh, Gary, I'm sorry. I thought it was AJ. No, it was Gary's last question. Okay, Gary. Okay, so Gary, um, I'm working on Insight right now. I have so much going in the shop, but you will see it before summer. So the Insight will be out and running. And, you know, for many years, I've flown the colors for, for AEM and came in on a car, and it's, it's something I'm very proud of. It's a natural aspirated engine. It was a proof of concept car that we did at an F22 setup. That proof of concept was to show that we can take any engine and create a lot of power from it. So without any aftermarket support, I mean none whatsoever, no valve springs, valves, camshafts, pistons, sleeving services, nothing whatsoever. From scratch, we're able to show that we can take an engine like the F22A, which is a rubbish engine that most people said, and make over 455 horsepower with it, which is great. And when we went out there, people were screaming, oh, it's not fair, this car has this, it has that. No, it's a very simple, straightforward setup. So to answer your question about stage injection, yes. When I went from carburation to injection courtesy of Kinsler, and for those of you who may remember, we are the ones who brought Kinsler to the Honda scene. Kinsler was all about domestic setups. We had one advocate there, Scott Cole, great guy, who was also a single cam guy, and we got together and convinced Jim Kinsler to get to the market. So the very first Honda ITB system, I still have at the shop, and I'll bring it on my next show and show it to you guys so you can see. So for, you know, it's so weird, for some of the guys who talk so much mess, they run Kinsler's that we brought to the market, which is very interesting. But nonetheless, I do run Kinsler's stage injection on that using AM Infinity to control it, and I run 64 millimeters per runner. Yes, 64. In a magnesium, very lightweight magnesium induction, 
And what most people feed the entire engine with, I run for each cylinder. So that answers your question, hopefully. And if you have more, I'd be more than happy to assist. Okay. Perfect. So this question's from CT Racer. Alfie has a question. Perfect. He said, hey, BC, please explain turbo trims, AR, impellers, VGTN. What application is best, in your opinion, for D15, B16, D18? And that's 22A. Alfie, that's a lot. That's me, like the whole show. Or just tell us something cool going on. Why don't you give me your opinion? <laughs> so I'm an expert question. I see a lot of people asking like me, Dion, and more people asking, am I able to go to IBOC this year? I didn't plan to. I know my friends here at AEM Filtration will be going. AEM and Tix will be going. So maybe I'll partner with them and bring the van out. But I haven't planned to come to IBOC this year yet, you know? And I didn't make it to look the cold. I was actually working. I wanted to go, but I had so much to do at the shop. I was actually behind. I had to go to work on Sunday, so I wasn't able to make it. So, Alfie, to answer your question, trim, that's a great question. Many manufacturers, especially our friends from Garrett, they tend to use trim as a great way to, to measure the size or efficiency of a turbo, which is nice. And it's very simple. It is really the area ratio between an inducer and exducer. And it typically has to do with the compressor side of the turbo. So for those of you asking about what is inducer and what is exducer, well, inducer is the inlet side. So if you look at the compressor, I wish I had a wheel here, but look at the compressor wheel, the smallest side where the air goes into is the inducer, and where the air escapes from, which is the larger, major part of that wheel, is the exducer. So if you take the area of the inducer, let's say uh, in a simple case, let's say a 50 millimeter, it's 50 meters square, by, let's say exducer is 100 millimeter, 100 millimeter square, you divide those two and multiply by 100, and that's your trim. And if all things are equal, the higher the trim, the more airflow. Once again, if all things be equal, you can have two different types of trims with two different style of wheels, and a smaller trim could make more power or create more airflow, because aerodynamics play a role. But if you have the same aerodynamics in a compressor wheel, trim is definitely based upon the area between inducer and exclusion, and the larger, the more flow. So, to answer your question about the D-series, F-series, so on and so forth, I can give you one nice blanketed answer. It depends on what you're doing with the car. Some people build cars for road racing, which we've done. Some people build cars for drag racing, which we've done. Some people build cars for Dino Queen purposes, which we've done. So, for all those applications, drifting even, for those applications, based upon what you're trying to do, the turbo trim and sizes can differ. Everything from AR, there's so many different op opportunities. And that's where our expertise comes to help. So that being said, if you need help with choosing a turbo, I'll be more than happy to help you choose a turbo and get one to you. There's no problem whatsoever. Allow us to use our expertise to assist you. So, but we'll need to know very, very good information about what your intent of the car is. And what you plan on doing it. Street car, road, race car, road racing, drag racing, drifting, high speed, you know, just you just don't put on dyno and show numbers, whatever the case may be, you can do that. Um, adding good, that would take a lot. I haven't explored that. I don't think it's that far off, but at a minimum, you may need an adapter plate. Um, Campus Gabby, I didn't see your question properly. Oh, my pleasure, Marlon. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Compression of the engine, Flacco, let me know which engine you're speaking of, and I'll be able to answer that question for you. If it's one of mine, I'll happily share that with you. Okay, what other questions do we have, Andy? Sure. Somebody by the name of Nothing But Cookies. Nothing But Cookies. Pretty awesome. He said, is there a chance you can go into a little of piston crown design? Do you um, hand finish your pistons to take off the sharp edges? A little insight into how you go about it, or your preferences would be awesome. Okay, so when it comes to preferences, um, to answer your question about pistons, I like... Trump. Trump Pistons is a company, um, has a cool German name, but the engineers are absolutely superb, and it's one of the few companies out there that when you give them a the design, they make it exactly like that, if not even improve on it. So, I am very anal when it comes to piston dome design, because there's a telltale sign when you run pistons with the color. If you see dark coloration on your pistons when your tune is ideal, you notice that those are regions of unburnt hydrocarbons, and you kind of want to play around with the shape there to more mimic the combustion chamber. If you see very light sections, if your tune is proper, that means proper tune, then the opposite is occurring. Many times, I tend to look for lands of diminishing returns in terms of static compression, 
especially when I combine that with very aggressive camshafts. So I've run everything with these series to let's say 18.41 compression using E85. So how can I get away with such a small displacement engine with relatively small strokes and very small bores to 18.1? I have my friends at Trump digitize the combustion chamber. Then, because Honda does a great job at engines but has a little bit of core shift, you notice that even though you digitize the combustion chamber, they're not all equal. So I physically will hand massage each piston to each combustion chamber to be able to give me the side compression I want. And then after I run it, I pull the head and look at the shape and the color. And that tells me where I need to massage a little bit more or redesign. So that's what I typically tend to do. I know it's very time consuming and I don't expect you guys to do it. But like I said, when it comes to piston design, take advantage of our expertise and allow us to do it for you. So now take a little bit step further. There's also power capabilities in where the ring pack sits, the ring style you're using, the uh, tension in the ring. There's just so many opportunities there. Extensive use of coatings. It's absolutely spectacular. So I am fascinated and love piston dome design. It's absolutely wonderful and a great way to learn a lot and to make your engines a lot more efficient. So I hope that answers your question properly about dome design and what we go through and how we do it. And by all means, if you need help, I'll be more than happy to help you with a design. And uh, my friends from Trauma make it for us. And we can send it your way. Okay. So I hope that answers your question properly. And how are we doing so far, Eddie? Good. We have, awesome. um, we're going to do an AJ Thompson marathon. Oh, okay. AJ Thompson, <laughs> hopefully you're still here. <laughs> he has a few questions he wanted to ask you. Okay. Um, the first one is, what is the highest capable RPM and displacement of a built water-cooled Porsche engine? Okay. So... Water-cooled, I assume you may M96 if you're still here, AJ, because that's the one I love experimenting with. Um, the ports are very nice and so on and so forth. I, If I had to use a hypothesis based upon what I know with those engines, I feel that you probably eclipse it close to mid 10,000 RPMs. So mid 10,000, 10,5, 10,4, thereabout. The challenge with that engine are the buckets. So even though it has direct, act oh, there you go, AJ. So I assume that you're talking about the M96 and the M97 engines. The challenge with the buckets are that they are hydraulic. And the hydraulic buckets are great because you don't have to worry about valve latch and adjustment. But the challenge, once again, there is they're filled with oil and they tend to be heavy. So if you go too high in RPM, which you tend to find is float comes in very quickly and your horsepower falls off very rapidly. So that being said, going to a hollow or a bucket that's not hydraulic, a standard bucket with shims, either shim under, which would be ideal, can allow you to have a lot more high RPM capability, which will yield power as well. Those strokes on the Porsche N96 are very short, so you can get away with nice rod ratios and be able to have a lot of fun reliably. But the challenge are the buckets. So mid-10s, I feel the potential based on my calculations. What other questions do you have? Uh, it says... Is there a genuine advantage and reason for OHV engines over OHC? Or is okay. it simply prehistoric technology that still happens to be in use to this, till this day? Okay, so AJ is asking, I think some of them can hear you, but AJ is asking oh. about overhead valve versus overhead cam. So one advantage I've seen with overhead valve is packaging. It allows you as a manufacturer of cars to have a hood line that's very low. So very important with some sports cars, um, with our front engine or our rear engine. And that's why it's very popular with some people who do some uh, kit cars or maybe even what Chevrolet does with, with the Corvettes, where a low hood line arrow is very important because you get to put the camshaft in the middle of the engine, have uh, push rods go out to the top of the heads, and then allow you to then actuate the valves accordingly. So very, very nice for packaging. Now, that also, you see a description I just gave from the cam to the push rods, then to rockers, then to the valve, very cumbersome, not very efficient, and hence you lose some efficiency there. Also in high RPM applications, you have problems with the push rods bending. And when it comes to using lubricants, especially if you're not akin to using great lubricants like Pyrrol, using low zinc lubricants, you can have a lot, of, a lot more wear in those push rods. So overhead cams have the capability of being more efficient because you have more of a direct actuation on the valve, which yields to more RPM, which can use some more power, and a lot more reliability. So. On the reliability front, high performance front, overhead cam, definitely. Overhead valve when it comes to packaging. And sometimes you may see, for those of you who are Honda heads, the Prelude is a very good example of an overhead cam setup where valve angles were compromised to be able to fit under the bay 
Well, when you go to really crazy high horsepower, you kind of get limited with valve lift and so on and so forth. So there are pros and cons, but at least us, we all as enthusiasts have access to all that different technology, which is pretty good. Oh, greetings, Mohammed. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate that. Ikenna, you missed quite a bit, but you know what? Later on, I'll have this up for 24 hours here on Instagram live, and then later on as well, you can be able to listen to this via iTunes with the Beast Model uh, um, uh, podcast, and also on Anchor. So that being said, you'll be able to hear it there as well. So you are still good. You can still catch some of the great things that we discussed earlier on today. Perfect. So AJ said, how does a Golf R engine compare to any other inline four-cylinder engine you've come across in terms of reliable horsepower capability, head flow, specific shortcomings, and other features? Okay, so the Golf R I like very much because one, it's a global platform. So if you create a product for it, Globally, is very, very similar. Also, in Europe, they gave the capability for us tuners, which we love so much, to have the access to not only direct injection, but also port. And the ECUs are very much universal as well. So even if you have a USDM engine that direct injection only, you can still keep the same ECU application, have an additional harness, and still go with port and direct, which is really cool. But one of the things I like so much, despite the slight weight disadvantage, are the iron blocks. You don't have to worry about sleeving. They're very robust. You can push them to 700 horsepower without any qualm. Now, when it comes to head flow, you know what we do with Honda K-Series. You know what happens with S2000 heads. You know what happens with M96, M97 heads. Those flow very nicely and flow a lot more than what we've seen with the EOR. But I love the power potential of the EOR. Pistons and rods, valve train, you're good to go. You can make 700 horsepower, no problem. It's really nice. So there are many advantages there. Some disadvantages, but I like that engine set up very nicely. I love the fact it's a global platform as well. Perfect. Last question from AJ. I don't know if we should share this information with him or not, but we'll see. He says, thanks to much improved technology, how much of a power gain would you expect to see over the 455 horsepower stitch when you first put it together? And what changes or upgrades have you done or would like to do since building it over a decade ago? Well, that's a great question. You know, AJ, the first time I built that F22A engine, it made 297 to the wheels. The first time I built it, just take my DC technology and transfer it over. And the head has been the same. The pistons have been relatively the same. The displacement has been the same. So what has been the biggest changes? Exhaust and induction. And those alone, and when I say induction, that has to do with camshaft dynamics and so on and so forth. So... Induction and exhaust system changes have made the most advantage for me. There's one thing I haven't explored, which I notice most drag racers do nowadays. I'm still running ethanol fuels. There's a lot of power in some very unique, high caloric content methanol fuels out there. So when I switch over to those fuels, you can expect to see a very nice jump in power in that car. So stay tuned. This should be an exciting season when I get that car out there going. We should have a whole lot of fun. Didn't you switch over oils too? Yeah, I did. Over before that? Yes, okay. I did. So it is reminding me that even with the oils, I did. Yeah, I did improve oils, and I believe that it was maybe at 7,200 RPMs, we gained 12 wheel, which is switching over to a more ideal synthetic oil, which was pure. So she makes a good point. I still stand with 5W30 as well. Um, your B series, it's four bags last ECT is becoming high due to being close to the manifold and turbine. Would it be more efficient to run a radiator up front facing down the engine bay or in the trunk? Well, it depends. There's so many things that could be causing high cooling temperatures. One thing I'll ask is how efficient is your cooling system in terms of mass flow rate? Many times I've noticed, especially with engines that are designed for natural aspiration, when converting to turbocharging, you do have to modify to some extent your, I would say, what's a, what's a good term for that? I would say your thermostat system. So you need one that's a much higher flow thermostat, and if you don't have access to that, at a minimum, modify it and take out the center of your thermostat. Not the entire thermostat, because what happens if you take the whole thermostat out, the flow rate will be so fast that you won't have time to have good heat exchange at the radiator. But if you leave the disc in and just take the center out, you can increase flow and most likely have a more efficient system. And I've done this on many, many setups. So that being said, hopefully that can help you try that out and then keep us posted on what success or lack thereof you had. Thank you, AJ. Appreciate that. Thank you, God of Nothing. Thank you, Peral. Thank you, Frank. Awesome. So now we'll move to the next question from Mr. Think Tank, LLC. 
Uh, the question was regarding a Cayman, 2014 Cayman. Okay. He said, I would like to have a bespoke kit made. Would you recommend doing an S larger motor swap, or is turbocharging the base an okay starting point? It depends. One thing I have concerned about the 2014 that you have is tuning solutions because most of the clients of ours that come for off-road applications for turbocharging tend to have port injection setups which are very easy. There are plug-and-play solutions out there, there are flushes out there that are very efficient and it can allow for a very easy, straightforward turbo kit. The challenge you may have are limitations of your fuel system. So that being said, if having the need for high horsepower is not there. An S-swap will be straightforward. You can keep it emissions friendly, especially if you drive on the street. That's not a challenge. If you're like myself and you really have this need for nice horsepower, then you can go bad with turbocharging. But I would definitely look into an engine management solution that can help you because I personally don't have access to one. So that being said, by all means, explore that. But turbocharging would be a nice way to go. It allows you to also tailor your application to the kind of horsepower needs you want. If you want something where you're making 380, if you want 400, 500, if you want a capability of 700 later on, you can design or have the system designed to be able to, to do that very nicely. Thank you so much, baby. I appreciate that. Appreciate he was also asking um, if he does do turbocharging, do you recommend liquid to air or air to air? I would recommend liquid to air. So we've had the opportunity to play around with both air to air heat exchangers, and liquid air, and by all far, liquid air is very efficient. Even the beast motor boxman now, you'll be pleased to know that no matter where I race, no matter how much boost I throw at it, I am never above ambient. While with the air to air, after a few track laps, I tend to see some heat exchange, and I know that you know heat exchange deficiencies, and I know that has to do with the location because heat gets rejected from the radiators up front, heat gets rejected from the exhaust system. After a while, it tends to take a while to cool down, so it's not as ideal, but I play with both. Both work, but I'm a huge advocate of liquid air. Definitely. And our friends from Turbinetics and Precision have great efficient kits that can allow you to do that. So I hope that answers your question properly as well. Perfect. And the last question is, people are asking, where can you purchase the Purell lubricants? We've seen that you endorse the product. Where can we purchase goods like your hats? Also, the product. Where okay, so it? people ask about Purell, so you see I'm representing them here with a the hat. These are guys from Aerospace. I love their stuff. I had challenges in the past with other lubricants. Out of every type of compound I've tested in-house, I'm yet to see the efficiency, the sheer stability that I've seen with this brand. I, I love their stuff. I love those guys. They're great guys. So I believe so much in that I carry it myself, so you can buy it from bcmo.com. Um, if you don't want to get it from us, they have it available on Amazon, and I think they're going to go on eBay soon. But mm -hmm. Amazon, for sure, they have it up there they're as well. They're on Newegg, too, I think. And Newegg, yes, Newegg. Yeah. And Newegg as well. So thank you so much for that. No worries. Okay. And I believe that's it. The last other questions were, um, are you accepting internships at this time? Okay. So I get that question very often if I'm accepting internships, and I am. So if you're interested in interning at Beastmore Engineering, and we're local, it's good that you're local to us because it makes it much easier, feel free to send us some information to lab, L-A-B, at bcmoto.com, by all means. And I'll be more than happy to have you come by the team. We're, we have a lot of fun. We can do some great things together. And you can learn quite a bit. And it shows great value to manufacturers. So many people come to us and get picked up by manufacturers immediately, which is really fantastic. New projects, yes. Um, I'm building more boxmans. And we'll be partnering with our friends from AEM Filtration, AEM Intakes as well with that. Uh, I'm doing something a little different. So they both will be different from the current red one as well, which is pretty exciting. And uh, I will be playing with a very unique domestic offering this year as well, which is pretty exciting. Kevin says we have his number. We should call him. So, Kevin, I will call you by all means. Yes, by all means. I keep forgetting about you, Kevin, but I will not forget about He's you. He's not of legal age to be an intern. <laughs> He's you're not of legal age to be an intern. Um, <laughs> the buffering, but what would be a decent... So, they, they say they're buffering. I have buffering issues, which is weird. I'm so oh, sorry no. about that, guys. Um... This, this then trim term next turbo for LIBO daily. You have an ST equal. Oh, you'll be very pleased about this, Dion. Turbinetics already has the perfect setup for you, especially if this is something that's more of a street fairing vehicle or you do it like in karting or road racing. Shoot me an email. It's not available to the public yet, but I will hook you up. So, by all means, labatbeastmode.com, write to me. I'll get you hooked up with that. No problem whatsoever. 
And AJ said he's local, only 5,000 miles away. Uh, that is not local, AJ. And uh, Kevin said, I don't hear it from you, Heather. Okay, Chris. Heather. <laughs> anyway. Good job, Chris. <laughs> so once again, guys, um, just as a reminder, hello, Ken. Good to see you. Just a reminder, we're here in beautiful Riverside at the AM Filtration, AM Intakes, k Facility. Great guys. They've been fantastic hosts. You know, one great thing about AEM, they started in 1987, and they've just had excellent products since then. Engineered to Apple Form was absolutely fantastic. And then this weekend, and I'm going to send you guys a poll about this, we will be participating at the Hot Wheels facility, the headquarters in El Segundo, for the Legends Tour. You can also register your car there as well, and you'll have an opportunity to go online at www.hotwheels.com legends to register. Today's the last day, so you have to hurry up, by all means. And we can definitely take care of you and see you out there as well. So, I have the opportunity to either bring the Odyssey or to bring the center seat Porsche. I will send out a post. Let me know what you think, by all means. For the SI, absolutely. So, something we have for the new SI are tight bypasses, down pipes, new compounds of lubricants through our partners at Purell, and also some really cool flash protocols that we've Work very closely with the guys from K-Tuner to explore, which is pretty exciting. Oh, Chris, I look forward to seeing you there as well. Rule Drive Hyundai, still in the house. We do have the most powerful Hyundai on the planet. 1080 horsepower to the wheels at the facility in Bissimoto. Hello, Clarence. Long time no see. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. So, I have a question for you guys. I know we've been in this session for 41 minutes. It's like four minutes. So I appreciate you guys hanging on there. But we have something very exciting. I have this... Very, very nice gift card. How much is this gift card, guys? $300 US. So anyone can win this. AJ's listening now. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So that being said, um, wow, we have this. So I'm going to ask a question in a moment. And the first person to ask this properly will win this gift certificate, which is pretty nice. So hang tight. So... NYC has a question about any S13, S14, KA24, DE trouble experience, significant. So we have quite a few individuals who, road racing, drifting, you name it, who come in and they've been on primarily AM Series 2 or AM Infinity, and we've tuned quite a few. And we've had them upgrade to Turbinex Turbos, we had them on Precision, build engines, E D5, Flex Fuel, and we've seen everything from 310 to the wheels to close to 600. So we've seen in the house. So you can have quite a bit of fun. And those cars are becoming extremely popular indeed. Um, well, so Dominican Cousin says, if I'm ever, ever on fastest car again, please, please, please use the Porsche. Well, you know what? It's not really up to me. To believe it or not, when the guys from Netflix came over, we presented to them the Blue 911, which is like the picture I have here on my T-shirt, and also the rear-wheel drive converted six-speed manual 2017 Hyundai Santa Fe. Those are two cars that we suggested for them. And the Porsche was going to be an exotic, and the Hyundai was going to be a sleeper. But they came to the facility, and they came to look at the car, and inspect it out, and they saw the van, like, what is that? And they said they wanted the van. Now, the caveat with the van is that it had to be purely in street form. So, had to run on pump fuel, which we run pump 85, and we had to run on street tires. Which is really sad, because when we went to the show to film, everyone else was slicked down, so that was really sad. But nonetheless... We obeyed the rules, and we're there. And even though we didn't win, we had a great time filming it. So it's really exciting. And I appreciate all the support you guys had out there as well, and how so many of you love the story of how I came to the United States and pursued engineering and did all the great things and my family and all that good stuff. So I really appreciate all your support, guys. Appreciate that so much. Thank you so much, Dale. You're very kind. You're very kind. And, you know, Christian, I really appreciate the kind words. It's very nice of you as well. So without further ado, I'm going to ask the f- one question. For a $300, that's a lot of money. That's like a monthly salary in my country. $300. And you can get a gift gift game. You can get anything from me for a with it. I have a question. Yeah, so but Chris has a question. Should I text him? I'm scared. I'm no, scared. No, you're not. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> right here. So I, I figured since you can, yeah. I might as well ask you. He should, he should come. So you guys can see who, who this yeah, is? Yeah, just come go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay. So here's Chris. He's a good friend of mine. I'm just saying that. He, I don't even know this guy. But anyway, okay, so Chris, what's your question? What's your question? So can you talk a bit about 
the good old days of tuning. Oh my! Uh, versus current day okay. and some of the changes or some of the advantages you have now. Yeah. Due to either technology or knowledge or flex fuel capabilities, just kind of some of the stuff that we're lucky to have now that a lot of the younger kids don't know how hard it was back then dealing with EFI stuff. Great question. You know, he, he asked about EFI tuning and really the the transformation of the scene from then to now and. It's so tough back in the day. I mean, I started playing with these cars as far back as, geez, 1995. And at the time, there was no engine management solutions. And the guys from AEM, and that's why John Conciaudi, he's my mentor, and he's a founder of AEM, great guy. He did the first plug-and-play. So all the stuff all of you take for granted now didn't exist back in the day. I was carbureted. So to get any kind of airflow into my engine at the time, into my CRX, I had to take out... The intake manifold, then the injection, put in dual side draft Makunis, play with mechanical jets, and you have to physically open the top of the carburetor, take out these tubes, physically change jets, put them back in, then try and find a dyno. You know how hard it was to dyno then? It was horrible. You couldn't go on a dyno and do a sweep. There were these steady-state brake dynos that existed that you'd have to strap your car to a roller, drive it up on this old-school dyno, look at a needle that comes up to point out a horsepower, and then write it down on an Excel-based printout spreadsheet. It was horrible. So that being said, but we that's all we knew then, and it was exciting. But, you know, here's one thing I can tell you. The fact that I perfected tuning on carburetion, the fact that I understood jets, also that when you stab the throttle, air then travels quickly, and you need to use a pump nozzle to inject fuel to catch up with it so you don't you know, stagnate or bog or hesitate, that allowed me to be a better you know, fuel injection tuner. So you fast forward to today, and we have an opportunity where you can have fuel injection, and I understand it much better. I understand what Excel fuel does. It's like a pump nozzle. I understand the importance of being able to jet or give fuel for different RPMs for different efficiencies. There's so many great opportunities there that didn't exist before that exist now. Now, above and beyond that software, we had DOS, for those of you who are maybe old school, we had DOS-based systems to tune, which are very cumbersome with absolutely no resolution right now. So to fast forward today to have access to items like AM Infinity, we have VE tuning where you can put your whole tape to 100 VE, do a sweep, and then the ECU tells you via the software what you should do for each RPM, it's, a, it's night and day. Knock. Sometimes. So oh, simple, God. but we didn't have to sing, oh, God, we had class about that. <laughs> but knock oh, is something we had no idea. We had to listen to, we have headphones on our head with a tube going to the engine, yeah. and we hear, oh, it's knocking, let off. You know, but nowadays, you have digital microphones that exist in your engines, very efficient ones with very nice frequencies that can dictate what's noise and what's knock. And you can draw a knock curve to allow you to add fuel and retard timing automatically per cylinder. Oh my God, we never had any of that. So that's why cars are much faster. That's why they last much longer. And that's why people are enjoying their cars more than now than ever. That's a great question. But so much has changed from the days of mechanically changing stuff with $50,000 turbo kits. To nowadays, you can put a turbo kit together for a few thousand and you have access to engine management solutions that even the end user can play with, which is very fantastic. So, thank you for that question. No, I delayed your question. Oh, no, no worries, no worries, no worries. So, let's ask the question. Uh, yes. People are anxious to oh, see. Ask, oh, do you want a question? Um, here's a question. Okay. So, that being said, yeah, stethoscope is actually correct. So, question I have for the $300 gift certificate. I should just put this in my pocket. No, okay. <laughs> so, here's the question, guys. What year did AEM come to exist. Talking about AM filtration, I said it two, three times in this interaction with you today. What year? AJ says he's one to cap, he's already good. The first one to answer this will win. Yes, oh yeah, that's pretty good. Not quite, Corey. Nope. Fabian got it. Fabian Quesetta. It's not 187, not 1996, it's 1987. So what? Fabian, congratulations, this is yours. Kindly write to us at sales at bcmodel.com and we'll mail this out to you. Okay? So thank you so much for that. Sales at bcmodel.com, Fabian. Congratulations. Well done. 
Super Duke card, I know, it's too late, I'm sorry. Everyone's saying like 85, 83, one guy said 187, um, yeah, so, yeah, it's all guys, well, yeah, we can everyone. Okay, so I have one more, see, hey, just hooking you guys up, this is a pretty dope hat. Okay, so, <laughs> for this AM hat, which, 950 snapback, oh, old school, very nice, okay, so, um, Fabian, it'd be hard for me to DM you if I am here live. But you can DM me, be tomorrow. But it'd be easier with an email. Okay, so nonetheless, because um, Fabian, the reason why I say email is because I get lots of DMs a day, so it'd be kind of hard for me to see that, but try. Okay, so for this one, for this AEM hat opportunity, let's see, yes, well done, absolutely AJ, well done. Okay, so for this hat, I need to think of a good question. Uh, you know, we just, I, I'll reward the guys who came a little bit later, and those yeah. who, someone, <laughs> Okay, awesome. Maybe I'll do something here. Okay. So, what brand carburetor did I have on my vehicle? You know, Chris had a great question about tuning from then to now, but my 88 CRX, what brand carburetor, which I bought from AM, by the way, did I have on my CRX? I mentioned it once. Let's see who paid attention. What brand carburetor did I have on that? I already said bring her hat. No, Henry, it wasn't a pure carburetor, no. It wasn't Demon, nope. Let's see, Gary. Weber, good try, Jeremiah. Go back. It wasn't Ariana. No, not Mitsumoto. Mitsumoto doesn't make carburetors. Keep trying. So let's close. R. Kim. R. Rickim. 18. Got it. Mikuni. Yes. And Mikuni PHH 40s are mine. Very, very good. So, once again, not Edelbrock, guys. Rakim already got a Mikuni. So, R. Rickim, please send me an email. Via sales at bismo.com, and we will send out to you this beautiful, beautiful hat. So thanks. Not Makuni, no. That's not how you spell Makuni. Not Spider. Hello, Papa Cam. Yes, well done, our Cam. I see that. Yes, very good. No, just not with an H. Not a Holly. Kinsler. No. Not Kinsler, no. Okay. So, guys, thank you so much. We've spent a lovely 52, 53 minutes together. Yeah, 1989. Yeah. <laughs> so late. Yeah. Anyway, so, guys, thank you so much for the interaction and AM filtration induction. Kenan, thank you so much for thank this you. wonderful reception here. And, guys, let me know if you like the T-shirt. Let me know if there's anything we can improve. Your feedback is very, very important to us. Thank you so much for the interaction. I see there are 60 of you still on here. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Stay tuned, and I will see you soon. Have a great one, guys. Take care. Cheers.